Welcome to your personal branding podcast with Bernard Kelvin Clive, your number one career and business podcast in Ghana, bringing you expert interviews and insights into personal branding, personal development, and publishing. Now, here's your host, Bernard Kelvin Clive. Welcome to another edition of your personal branding podcast. I'm your host, Bernard Kelvin Clive, and this particular episode as we my guest today is Google's number one rebranding expert, a recipient of about 325 international awards. You mostly want to go quiet on that. He's ranked number three in worldwide for brand by clouds. He's known as the branding guru, the branding expert. We have no other person than David Brow. David, welcome to the Personal Branding Podcast Show. Thanks so much for having me, Bernard. As a pleasure, I treasure. Excellent, excellent. Me as well, me as well. So, what do we want to tackle, my friend? We're looking at rebranding and branding. Now, let's begin. David, what is branding according to David? Very good. Okay. So, you obviously have been following me for a while, so you, you already know. You, you've set me up for this one, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll deliver. <laughs> basic thing is this, is that after seeing that Amazon.com one day that I ended up typing in, in there, looking under books, under branding, and I saw at the time there were over 6,000 books, and then more recently, it's been about 8,400 books on branding. I saw that there were a hell of a lot of opinions on what branding is, and so I made it my job to find out what branding, in fact, was, and what was the common denominator to all the brands that I worked with and helped that made a difference. And what that was, it came down to not a thousand books or even, or even any, it came down to four freaking words, man, four freaking Mm. words. And that is the art of differentiation. When you are branding in our very, 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 very noisy world, you must go ahead and actually do things in such a way to be heard doesn't mean that doesn't mean just because you're talking does not mean that you're going to be heard just because mm-hmm. you're using words doesn't mean you're communicating just because you're using design doesn't mean that you're being seen. You must have with all of those things, this component of differentiation so that you do not blend in and add to the noise that's already out there. You must do what you need to do to differentiate yourself. So if everyone's going left, you may need to go right. right. Or if everyone's going left in a quiet way, you may need to do it in the noisy way. Or if everyone's being very, very conservative and proper, you may need to be the rebel, et cetera, et cetera. But you need to be intelligent, not in a way that you're reacting, but in a way that you are very proactively observing so as to be able to go, okay, how far do we need to move the lever to, to really make a difference that we need that we need and want to make in the world. Okay, so let's let's put this in a, in a simple perspective here. You walk into the marketplace, there's five set of people all selling tomatoes. Same thing. How do I stand out, differentiate my brand from the existing other five or ten people selling the same commodity? I might, I might, if I were in that circumstance what I might probably do is actually do a demonstration and showing how I can make the most delicious and mouth-watering tomato salad or, or meal with those tomatoes on maybe a popular dish 
and how the tomatoes can totally change that. And then all of a sudden they're going to go, that looks incredibly delicious. As a, so I'm not just selling tomatoes. I'm now selling an outcome, right? I'm actually connecting the enjoyment of eating that and how delicious it looks and how colorful it looks and how to properly season it to bring out the right flavor and this and that, the other. And all of a sudden people go, those are amazing. And I say, and you know what? And these tomatoes are going to get you there. So that's what I would do. I wouldn't just show product. I would actually turn it into an opportunity to convey the experience and the outcome of buying what I'm selling. Mm, so you're, you're selling an experience, you're selling an end product, not just the raw product or commodity on the market. That's one way you can differentiate yourself. Now, can you share with us some other ways uh, consumers or brands can differentiate themselves from existing brands? Well, if everybody, if everybody is doing, if everybody is choosing one form of media, Let's say, let's say everyone in, in the particular space that you're in, they're all choosing to do TV commercials or Facebook ads. You may, you may choose a completely different avenue. You may choose a different way of communicating. If they're all doing something that is simply pitching their product, just trying to sell, 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 and, del- and basically trying to interest you because of price, you can go the other side, which is more value driven, which is, you know what, let me, there, there's some things that you don't know. Maybe there, maybe there are some, maybe there's some health benefits to what you're offering. Maybe there are some, maybe, maybe there's multiple purposes to what you're offering that can, that are not known widely by other people. Um, you know, it's, and one of the examples for those that have been around when Apple first introduced the first iPad, pod this was before the iphone and before the ipad but the ipod prior to that there were other mp3 players there were yeah. about three there were three or four rovio and a few others and but yet apple was the first one that came along and they didn't pitch hey another mp3 player it was cool uh, it used design that was one differentiator it used a different experience the click wheel that was another differentiator mm-hmm. it connected this beautiful little white rectangle with these little white wires that went into your ears. And then the music, the explosive music, that was a differentiator. And they had their tagline, which was the differentiator of like a thousand songs in your pocket. Each of those, that's five differentiators right there. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's the other thing. When you are doing branding, you don't want to invest and figure and hope that just one thing is going to make the difference. You want to lean on the side of excess, figure out three, four, five, six, seven ways to differentiate. And and that cumulatively will actually become even more of a differentiator because most brands, the majority of brands do have, maybe if they have any differentiators at all, they'll probably only have one, maybe two, Mm -hmm. but they're not going to have five, seven, eight, nine. So that alone shows how much you as a brand are investing, whether that's for a personal brand or for a product or a service. It doesn't matter. Either way, that level of differentiation shows that you are all in and you are not going halfway and that you're not just mediocre and you're just not just kind of like, ah, you know, we're, we're kind of being a little bit lazy. You're actually pushing it. You're pushing it hard. If you're listening and watching it, at least have five 
ways you want to differentiate your product, your service, your personal brand, your corporate brand from the others. That way you can stand out and your brand can speak for itself. Now let's look at at what stage of the branding process and marketing does, in a way, packaging may trams over quality of products based on demographics or something. Is there any way, any stage of marketing period that is okay, this product, they have wonderful package. Clients or customers want to buy the product per se by the packaging, but not see the quality. Is there anything like that? And how does that work? You're saying in terms of they, they, they love they love the they love it cosmetically, but they don't actually see the value. Is you're saying like that disconnect? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So they, they go to the market. They see this nice labeled package of product compared to the other competitor. The competitor might have not quality packaging, not attractive, but that competitor has quality products. But this other way around, yes, the product, the packaging is great, damn good, but the, 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 the product is poor. How does that help the marketing? There, there's, there's, no, there's no amount of beauty that will be a substitute for a poor quality service or product. You have to have. You, you, you have to. If you do that, it's actually going to backfire on you because what will occur is people will have a higher expectation because it looks like it's kind of like let me I'll give you an example for for any for any any of your listeners who have ever gone out on a date I figure everyone has gone out on at least one date okay yeah. so go out with somebody on a date whether it be you know whoever it is and you and you go out and you look at that person so if a guy, you, you know, however it is, you, you're, you're looking, you're looking at the girl or the vice versa, whatever that is. And then so you go, okay. And you, and he or she looks lovely and you have this, and they dressed nice. And then you sit down and then you find out that they're dishonest and you find out that they have, that they have really bad habits and you find out that they don't clean up after themselves. And you find out mm. while you're eating that the food drips down their face and you find out that their nose is running and, and they don't even notice any of this, by the way. Mm. And, you know, and then, you know, then, then they go to the bathroom and when they come back, there's toilet paper hanging out of their, out of their, uh, you know, whatever their pants or their, mm. or their dress or their skirt. And so, and you go, what the hell? You're, you're going to be very upset. Because you had a higher expectation because of how it looked. And so the, you would have been fine if, the, if that person looked not so impressive. And then it all matched. You right, go, oh, yeah. okay, I didn't have high expectations. You go, okay, it, it, it's as it looked. It's as it appeared. But if it actually looks great up front but doesn't deliver on it, that's a horrible combination. It's the job of every brand, whether it's delivering a product or a service, to do that and and as well as per, this applies to personal as well as as well as you know actual products and services so you need to make sure everything lines up if you're going to put yourself in the world show up fully don't go on autopilot to me the worst thing that any brand can do is go on autopilot and figure beauty is going to compensate for substance that's not going to happen mm-hmm. you need to have both what makes a sustainable brand? What do, what do we say that Apple is a sustainable brand or this brand is sustainable? What, will, what are the qualities? Well, the qualities are consistency. You don't, if you are inconsistent as a brand, you will, that will erode and eat away at your brand. 
You need to be consistent. Now, granted, when Steve, when Steve Jobs was alive and with Apple, there was a certain consistency of innovation that was, that was the trademark of Apple. Now, Apple has innovated less, but it has still delivered a higher, still a good experience, consistent enough, and it's riding a lot on its, on its legacy. Um, but they do more right than they do. They, they do more right steps than they take wrong steps. Um, they're not, they're not considered to be probably as innovative as they had been under G Steve jobs, mm -hmm. but there's still the hope. There's still the idea and there's still an allegiance because there's still, again, more right than there, than there is, than there is a wrong in terms of the experience, in terms of Apple as a culture. Um, and, you know, their branding <clears throat> tends to be very strong. Their packaging is incredibly strong. Um, yeah, and so, and so they're solid. So that's, that's the sustainability. I, I would say that any brand, for it, to be, for it to be sustainable, would balance two key components. Mm -hmm. The known and the unknown. And this I cover in my book, in Brand Intervention, which every, every one of your listeners should buy now. Like, as in now. Like, right now. All right. All right. But the thing is, is this. Is you want the known and the unknown. Known is what, they ex what people expect. They already know that, your brand, that, that a brand of your type, your service, your product, or your, your whatever, there are certain things that are expected. And it does mm -hmm. what it says it's going to do. It's going to look how you expect it to look. It's going to perform how you expect it to perform. It's going to have the longevity. And that's the known. Those are the knowns. It's going to have good people when you call up and you need any kind of support. You're going to have helpful people. Those are the knowns. Those are nice. Those aren't special. Those are, that's, that meets the expectation of just being in business. Now, now you enter into, above that, you enter into the new realm. The new realm is the unknowns. It's like, what are you as a brand or a service or an individual going to provide to me that I didn't expect? Something mm. above my expectation. Maybe the materials were made with better materials than I thought. Maybe you have a follow-up that nobody else has. And, you, and after the sale, you follow up and you do things that, that, was not, that weren't expected, weren't necessarily needed, but wow, were they appreciated. Maybe there's an annual thing that you say, hey, thanks for being a loyal customer of ours. Here's a token of appreciation. There are various things that you can do. Um, you can, maybe it's the materials of your packaging that are made better so that your package is more, maybe it's more environmentally responsible. Maybe it's more durable. Maybe it feels nicer to the touch just feels nicer to the touch that extra how do you add that extra 10 to 20 percent that actually makes it so that i didn't see i as a customer did not see it coming and two mm -hmm. i was really happy that it came along and that's in the realm of the unknown so you want to have your knowns and your unknowns you balance those two and if you consistently provide that it goes back to your sustainability that go to consistency Man, then you are unstoppable because then you are known as the company or service that 
always delivers what's expected and always gives me more than what's expected. That is an amazing thing to be known for as a brand, whether it's a personal brand or a corporate brand. How is branding relevant to startups? I think I'm just starting, starting a small business. How does branding really plays a role in what I want to do? Well, every startup wants to be heard. Every mm -hmm. startup wants to get attention. Every startup wants to come out. The worst thing that can happen for a startup is that a startup can come out and be seen as one more option amongst the existing options. That's a horrible place. That means you're blending in even before you've gotten heard. Oh yeah, that's the newest, that's the newest X, Y, Z, whatever it is, blah, fine. Um, that is very dull. That is very boring. That is very, that's going to cost you a lot of money and that's going to be hard to sustain and your salespeople are going to have to work. You're going to have to have the most amazing salespeople because they're working with something that's a liability that's not designed to stand out. So the importance of branding to startups is as important as taking a phone call. It's as important as having internet service. It's as important <laughs> as taking your next breath. Other than that, it's not that important. <laughs> oh. So it's hugely important. That means, yeah, Branding for step is a must. You must consider branding right from the word go. Absolutely. It, it covers everything from your name to your language to what tone do you have as a brand? Are you rebellious? Are you conservative? Are you mainstream? Are you defiant? Are you an energetic brand? Are you a kind of really cool, hey, man, peace, love, dude? Yo, man, let's be mellow. I mean, it's like, you know, what's your, what's your thing in the world? What's your voice? <clears throat> you know, are you known? And color comes into it. Design comes into it. Aesthetics comes into it. All of those things, all the visual, the sound, the, 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 the quality of your communication. Are you a smart brand? Are you a lazy, are you a lazy dumb brand? Like, hey, man. <clears throat> You can go, you know, we're the lazy brand. You know, it's like, we don't want to work too hard. Yeah, that's why we don't charge anything for our stuff. We're the cheapest around because we don't really give a damn. Okay, there you go. <clears throat> it's a pitch. Maybe it'll work in certain circumstances. But you got to be, you got to make those choices deliberately. Okay. Now, big question here. Says, at what stage do you consider rebranding as a company or personal brand at what stage do you think at this time we must rebrand okay <clears throat> so rebranding is something rebranding is something that a company must be attentive to when you start to see that your relevance as a brand that you are kind of plateauing that meaning that okay you know what maybe at a certain point you were like the leader you were seen as the preferred brand you were chosen, you were, you were asked for by name, and now all of a sudden, eh, there are other players. Maybe the mm -hmm. technolo technological landscape has changed. Maybe the cultural needs have changed. Maybe what you used to offer is no longer as relevant as, what it, as something else today. Um, and 
maybe you've done a very, very, very poor job of, maybe you've done a very poor job of keeping people up to date with what they have done and what they're doing in the world, like what you as a company are doing in the world. And maybe they, I mean, I, I've actually had circumstances like this where mm-hmm. companies, they have done a poor job of keeping their customers up to date on what they did and the changes of the company so that people, their customers, only know them for what they were known about 30 to 40 years ago. What if you and I only knew, let's use Apple just because we talked about Apple and a lot of people know Apple. So let's, let's say you and I, the last thing that we, the only thing that we remember Apple for is the iPod. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that we did, we don't, we don't know about the iPhone. We don't know about the iPad. We don't know about other breakthroughs. We don't know about the, the, the iMac. We don't know about the iMac Pro. We don't know about any of those things. We don't know about the AirBuds. We only know them about the iPod. You'd probably look at me and say, are you insane? That would be, right? I mean, that would be kind of crazy. But if that were the case, we could look at Apple and say they have lost control of their narrative as a brand. And it would be vital at that point to rebrand, at least refresh their brand. They may need to do an overhaul for people to go, whoa, they're not the same as they were back when they released the iPod. They're actually different. And so it depends how out of step your audience, your existing audience, and your new audience is with where you are today and your relevance. This guy works for XYZ Bank. The bank has its own brand. But how does he brand himself separately from the bank? Well, the first thing that he has to do is he has to be clear about what is the job of his brand. Is his brand going to complement the company that he works for is his personal brand going to be an alternative to that would be is his brand going to be a different brand that might so let's say for example let's let's say let's let's say well you gave an example of working for a bank so let's say that bank is known for for servicing people who are more mature. Let's say from people who are 50 and older, it's a good bank for them because of the different types of programs that they have. Okay. Now, if this person is 25 years old or 30 years old, says, hey, I, you know, I want to brand myself as the, as the, the younger person's uh, banking solution. That would be an opportunity now that that complements that expands the scope. Obviously, his association with the bank would be interesting because people would go, wait a second, I know that bank for that. And now all of a sudden, that could change the dynamics pretty positively because all of a sudden, those older individuals who are parents and grandparents might say, might tell their children, say, hey, you know what? You could bank at the same bank that we, that we bank at now. Now all of a sudden, you've expanded it so that, you, so that by having that personal brand, it works to expand and show relevance to an entire family unit and not just a specific demographic. That's one example. 
Okay. So in, in the other instance that somebody has become, they made you a brand ambassador for Apple or with their new product, the iPhone, whatever. However, after, after some time, maybe a year or two, when a contract is almost over, you want to come out uh, as a known brand on your own. How do you clearly separate and move yourself away from known or tagged as the iPhone X ambassador, but now your own personal brand? Well, I mean, Guy Kawasaki has done that. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, right. Guy Kawasaki, you know, he always makes reference to the fact that he was one of the original Apple uh, employees that oh worked on the, on, the early, on the early Apple stuff. And, and he's worked with Steve Jobs. So he uses that as a launching pad for his own dialogue. Mm-hmm. So, so it really depends on the – it's up to you. How do you frame your association and your relationship with that? And do you make that – is that a – and it's really – to me, this is the dividing line between winners, real big winners, and those who don't win anywhere near as much or don't win at all. And that is – is the, the difference – understand the difference between a finish line and a starting line. That association is not a finish line. That is association is a starting line. That's the that's the that's the that's the launching point. You see, that doesn't. It's not a box that frames you. That's a stage upon which it's a platform upon which you actually expand and deliver your message to the world. So it's just it's just understanding the dynamics. One needs to be able to step back far enough from any brand, from any association, and look at it very holistically. That is vital. Now, how do you reserve a brand which is fading out? The brand is dying. It's, it's no, no. Sometimes you have to acknowledge. Sometimes you have to acknowledge uh, how a brand. If a brand has died, you may have to say, mm-hmm. "You know what? We fell out of touch. <laughs> we've we've done a full we've done a full evaluation of we fell out of touch with our customer." And here's what we've done to reinvent ourselves. Sometimes you need to be very forthright about that. Mm-hmm. Other times it could be more subtle. But you got to do, do what's going to work and what's going to be real. And it also depends on how much noise is in your space. If there's a lot of change, if you're in a very, very noisy, very a lot of change, a lot of progress, a lot of shifts, a lot of pivoting um, in your industry, then you need, to be, you need to be more forthright. You need to be more direct. How do viewers or listeners begin to brand themselves beyond the visuals or the colors or the nice things? What are the strategy? What are some of the things or channels or tools to use to put themselves out there beyond all the things? You know, largely people think of branding as colors and logos. The misconception about branding that they think of branding as colors and logos. But beyond that, what are the critical things that they need to focus on? Brand story. Brand story is vital. Brand story is the foundation. The visuals and colors and the design add a whole dimension that people can recognize. Because in the world, people are going to pass by and see your brand. So that's mm-hmm. on the visual. But, when, but, but there's a whole culture of people who love to listen. They love podcasts or they love they listen to Alexa briefings or... Um, or they might enjoy videos and such like that. 
Um, so you can use style in any of those capacities. I mean, let's say, for example, if every one of your, if every one of your competitors used a certain style of, of video, let's say they all used photographic, you may want to go down and create an animated sequence that's totally mm. different. And that just stylistically, people will say, oh, they'll see that and they'll think of you. Just because, and if you do that with consistency, um, that's one way. That also, you may, you may create an incredible stories online that people love to enjoy and follow. You may create little episodes of things. That's part of your story. But your brand story, brand story to me is, is uh, one of the most exciting parts because it lays the foundation. I think of a brand as, I, I, I love music, I love food, <laughs> and so oftentimes I'll use those analogies. So, for example, I would compare a brand to music. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, very common songs, whether you're dealing with certain jazz songs or you're dealing with certain pop songs or whatever, you'll have two key components. You will have the music and then you'll have the lyrics. Good. Mm -hmm. So the words, the brand story, and the lyrics. And then the music <clears throat> are the visuals. You see? So the, to me, those are the two things. Now, I, and some people might say, yeah, but there is also instrumentals, man. You know, it's like, you know, like Rhapsody in Blue by George Gershwin or, uh, or, uh, or Chameleon by Herbie Hancock. And I'm going, yeah, there's that. And that, mm -hmm. may, and that may have its place. But the songs that seem to get a lot of mileage in the world do have words and music. Yeah. And a brand is similar in that way, words and music. Words, music, or a combination of, to have a good brand story share. So, David, can you tell us about your book, your best-selling book, Branding Intervention? Brand Intervention. <clears throat> brand Intervention took me uh, on and off two years to, to write. It was after working with companies for over three decades and seeing the exact things that made the difference for those brands. Uh, it's been called the best branding book. Ever. It's been called a branding Bible. Awesome. It's been called an instant classic. <clears throat> Damon John, I don't know if uh, I don't know if Damon John uh, is is a, is known, but by your listeners or not. But Damon is on a show that's very popular here in America called Shark Tank, Thank which you. is where people who create uh, products and uh, and they'll pitch. They, have, they basically will pitch these investors who will either say, I'm out, meaning that they're not interested, or they may actually then invest. Damon wrote the forward to the book. I wrote the book essentially three times. The third time was a charm. The, my editor had rejected my first two, not because the content wasn't good. The content was fine, but it wasn't in my voice. That's what my editor told me. It's not in your voice, Damon. It's not in your voice. It's not in your voice. I'm like, shit, pardon my French. <laughs> so anyway, but the thing, the thing was, is that the book is not like any book that any of your readers have seen. Guaranteed, guaranteed. The book, I would say you, you, you want to get the book. And if you, my recommendation, get the hardcover. It is the best production. It's better than the, than the paperback. If you, if, you, if you have it and you expect a lot of people, like let's say you have an office where a lot of people are going to be referring to it, get the hardcover. It will, it will, it's designed to last that journey. Mm -hmm. um, 
But the basic thing is that the book, it's larger in text. It is by design, not because I think people can't have bad eyesight. It's because, <laughs> it's because I wanted it to be, as you, as you know from following me, I'm very emphatic. I'm very, I, 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 I'm not ambiguous about where I stand mm-hmm. on issues. And I wanted the book to mirror that intent on my part. And mm-hmm. so the book is designed with, with large lettering. It is to make the point. And the book was designed and written specifically so that there was no fat, there was no fluff, there was no BS, there was no filler. Because I personally had enough of reading books, 300 page business books that would have 10 pages would be the real good stuff. And then the other 290 pages would be, I got nothing more out of them. So this, I literally have had people say, this is like, this is like a, concentrated this is this is like if you've ever bought any of those little you know a, a concentrate to make a drink or something it's like yeah, super con- you don't want to just have it by itself or a coffee concentrate you don't want to just drink it by itself because you'll be like bleh, bleh. but <laughs> the thing is this is really concentrated so that i cover more i can guarantee someone reads five any five chapters randomly pick any five chapters you will get more mm-hmm. of those five chapters than you will out of, out of probably five other books awesome. combined. Wow. Because wow. it's that intensive. And the first 200 pages, and it's a fast read, by the way. This is, people usually read this within a matter of, of a few hours. But then once they're done, because it was so yeah. intense, yeah. they want to read yeah. it again. Yeah. But the last 50 pages, I show you. Because I'm not just one of these I'm not one of these writers or, 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 or branding professionals who sits on the sideline and doesn't do. I create brands every day. I work on brands every day. And so the last 50 pages, I show you the principles in practice. This one, this is how this principle was actually done. And this is the before and this is the after. And here's another one. Here's the other, other principle you need to know. Before. After, here's another one, before, after. So you literally, the last 50 pages, literally, it's like walking you through and all of a sudden you go, wow, I had no idea. And that's what people tell me. They're, they're shocked. And, they're, and there, are, there are pieces that will transform a brand dramatically just by the principles covered in the book. Awesome. Where can listeners grab a copy now? They can grab, I mean, I, I don't know the bookstores, I don't know bookstores where you are. I mean, obviously, if they do have bookstores at brand Barnes & Noble or other bookstores, they can get it. But they can absolutely go to Amazon. Amazon. They can order it. Go to Amazon, order it. Boom. Or if you've got uh, – there's Amazon, there's Nook, there's Kobo, any of those. Great. I usually ask, what would be your billion-dollar advice on branding to the world? Refuse to go on autopilot and never accept mediocrity as a standard – for anything those would be my those would be my two because when people go on autopilot they're going on what they've done before they're Mm -hmm. riding on a prior kind of jump start hoping that the inertia will carry them never rely on inertia never go on autopilot and realize that if you sunk to the point where eh, 
that's okay, where you're willing to accept average or mediocre that you've already failed. You cannot drop down to average or mediocre. That is failure. That's not going to lead to failure. That is failure. That is failure. Never accept mediocrity. Awesome. Can listeners or viewers connect and read all your materials you have? Well, they can definitely, I mean, first of all, they definitely should go to risingabovethenoise.com to subscribe. They should absolutely should do that because it's great content that comes out of there routinely. That's yeah, rising, R-I-S-I-N-G, risingabovethenoise.com. They can also subscribe to my YouTube channel. Every day, every week, there's, um, there's One Minute Wednesdays and, Wednesday. and other, other videos as well, and those are great. And then also, also if they have Alexa, if they have uh, like Echo Dots, like the Amazon's Alexa, I do, I have what's called What's Next in Branding. And basically, there's four or five episodes that come out each and every week. And, there's, and it's fun because it's literally like sitting down with me over a cup of, cup of coffee for, a, for three, to, three to four minutes. And I kind of give you some juicy, immediately useful stuff. So if you do that, we'll be, we'll be like family. We'll be like hanging out. It'll be, it'll be incredible. And you're, and trust me, I think in a month you get, if you get my book, if you, and you subscribe to, to the, my blog, YouTube channel and Alexa in a month, people will probably look at you and say, Whoa, dude, you are like quite amazing. <laughs> like you're, you're, you, I always want to be around you. I always want to talk to you. You always seem to have a better insight than everybody else around here. What are you doing that's special? And then that person's going to tell you, well, I subscribed to David. I, I bought his book. I listen to Alexa, I, I watch him on YouTube, and, and he's giving me real stuff. No fat, no fluff, no BS, branding for real. Because if you, if you understand branding, I will tell you this. This is, this is true for me. If you understand branding, your life will go better. Because branding, I didn't do branding because I couldn't do other things. I found things in life that worked, and I brought those things in life that worked to branding. And so the, what I have put together in branding are based on what works in life. So you do this, all of a sudden you'll find you get along better with people. You'll find that people understand you better. You'll find that what you say is more meaningful. That, and, and you'll just find things will be better. And the world needs each and every one of us to be doing better, to be a source of inspiration and to give in such a way that the world is enriched by the gifts that we each have. That is what needs to be done. And Brandon is basically life working better by David Brett. I like that. David, thanks so much for the content shared. And I believe listeners and viewers at our summit are going to enjoy this particular episode over and over again. So head on to Amazon.com and get Branding Intervention by David Brell. Subscribe to his YouTube channel. And I always visit risingabovethenoise.com. Let us know you watch this interview, you listen to us on the summit, and this has been really resourceful. Hi, so if you enjoyed this podcast, head on to Amazon.com slash author slash Bernard Kelvin and get all my books on building a successful personal brand, personal brand, corporate branding. Just go to Amazon.com slash author slash Bernard Kelvin or at best, just go to Amazon.com and search for Bernard Kelvin Climb. All my books will be available to you. Just purchase copies and buy some for your friends. The best is yours.